Alrighty, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly, episode number 532. And we're recording live on August the 31st. Yes, it is the last day of August. We are on the verge of September. The summer is coming to an end. And uh, kids are back to school, all sorts of, you know, sort of things like that happening. So uh, how are you, Brianna? I'm good. Um, You know, I spent the weekend celebrating a trip around the sun. And so, um, you know, just feeling happy, motivated, thankful, um, all those things that you think about around birthday time. So that's good. And looking forward to holiday weekend coming up here in the States. So um, things are good, you know? Yeah. Well, happy birthday again. Um, Yeah. Always a fun time. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you were well celebrated. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we have a, um, we have a good show for you this week, um, four stories as per usual, and I'll just let Abriana jump right into it and kick us off. All right. So let's go, um, talk a little bit about Amazon and what they're doing in Chicago, specifically at the Avondale Park District. So, um, these are, you know, government owned public parks and Amazon is putting lockers in them. Um, and this has get, been getting a little bit of, uh, I would say, more negative feedback than anything that we're seeing right now. But what's interesting is the, the park district is set to make, you know, somewhere between like 90 and 135 grand in the first full year off of these lockers and kind of renting that space out to Amazon. But, you know, it's causing a lot of controversy because they're trying to put these, these delivery lockers in more than 100 different public parks. And, you know, the the criticism is really that the amount of revenue that it's generating is not justifying the intrusion, not to mention the massive, you know, budget that that the parks in general have, which, you know, for I think for their, um, you know, the park district's budget overall is like $481 million. So, you know, a, a small little 135 grand at the most really um, seems kind of, you know, uh, questionable considering the amount of revenue that Amazon will be generating off of these lockers and having them there. So I know that we love the idea of having lockers, you know, in shopping malls or that ease of use for pickup. And I think in bigger cities, it makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, what's interesting though, is, is there's no talk about maybe making this more of like a revenue share or um, allowing the park to share in the profits or give back and investing in the park district, um, you know, based upon the revenue that those drive. So, you know, most people are just saying it's just not enough for the intrusion. Um, So it's interesting to, to see like how people are responding. Some of the photos of the lockers went viral on social media and, and that's where a lot of the criticism started. Um, And, you know, this is not the first negative, uh, press that Amazon has had, you know, there's been a lot of, of conversation around obviously like the workplace environment and, and the conditions that the, you know, Amazon, um, task force actually endures. So I think that the, the city agencies launching like some review of the plans and, and putting further installations on hold until that review is complete right now. Um, but you know, one thing that they called out that I, that I really, that resonated with me was that if there is an opportunity for these lockers to, um, or, you know, this type of, um, 
commerce availability within the park, it really should first go to those local entrepreneurs and small businesses that are in that area and in that community um, and support them. And I wholeheartedly agree. I think that, you know, as much as all of us love the convenience factor of Amazon and having something delivered immediately, we also really want to be able to support small businesses. And sometimes it's hard to be able to um, have both. But if there is a way to streamline that, I think that's a win. Um, I would love to see Amazon better partner with small businesses, although that's not their business model, right? Um, to help drive those deliveries. And, and I would love to see something more fruitful come out of this um, than it being, you know, I don't understand. I think there's a, a way to maybe use these lockers as perhaps like an art installation and allow local artists to, to paint on one side of them or do something very unique there as well as partner with the small businesses in the community to allow them to have like the first uh, first dibs on delivery in those lockers as well. So I'd love to see something positive come out of this, but uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to add to this. I, I think it's, it's interesting. I think it's a good move uh, for the parks district to find ways to sort of you know, offset their budget requirements and, and you know, generate revenue. I think every part of government should be, you know, trying to, you know, find alternative methods of, of revenue generation. So I, you know, I applaud that. Um, I'm with, I'm with the sentiment here though, on like, you know, why Amazon versus, you know, creating opportunities for local entrepreneurs and small businesses. I think, you know, that, that should be their, their first, you know, sort of thought, right. Is what can we do to sort of take this park and, you know, which is really for the local people and connect it with the community further and integrate it further with the community, um, you know, by by opening up opportunities and finding ways to, you know, uh, you know, collectively generate revenue, I think, um, for both, you know, the, the community and for the, the parks uh, to offset their budget. So, so you know, I, I like I, I, I share in that disappointment. I think the other thought that kind of popped into my head around this is, I don't know about you, but a lot of the parks here uh, in Toronto, um, where I am, you know, there's, you know, there's a fair bit of homelessness in downtown Toronto, uh, you know, people sleeping in parks or what have you. I'm sure that's the same in Chicago and, you know, all kinds of other big cities. And, you know, so I, I wonder about, you know, the nature of this particular use case and whether that actually is it, 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 you know, sort of de-incentivizes, you know, folks who are homeless, you know, from leaving the parks because now it's like, hey, I can live in the park and I and I can get my Amazon package delivered to me while I'm there. Um, you know, like it's, I don't know. I mean, like it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to me um, that that's, you know, sort of what they've settled on here as the, the way to generate revenue. Um, you know, and, from an Amazon point of view, I don't begrudge them at all. I mean, they're, you know, they're always looking for ways to grow their footprint and, and, you know, shorten the, uh, the last mile and, and get, you know, product to people as close to where they live as they can. So, you know, for them, this is a good deal. Um, but yeah, I, I'm challenged on the other side of it. For sure. All right. On to our second story. So our friends over at Oscar Meyer Wieners, uh, have teamed up with Lyft. Uh, so this is really interesting. We've covered before uh, the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile, uh, which is this like car that drives around and it's shaped like an Oscar Mayer Wiener. 
and it's kind of like kitschy and cool and um, you know like an interesting thing to see driving around you know the streets or your neighborhood and in the past they've done collaborations with Airbnb uh, where you can you know rent it out and and people have used it for marriage proposals or taken it to Alaska you know or done interesting trips on it it's it's been all across the US uh, in all 50 states um, but for the first time now uh, they're teaming up with Lyft and uh, you know linking it to the rideshare app so for a very limited kind of marketing promotional campaign here um, they are surprising Lyft XL riders with free Wienermobile trips in some of their uh, most popular uh, cities. So this is happening in New York, Chicago, LA, and Atlanta, uh, your former home. And uh, basically, if you call the Lyft XL, you may be surprised in a once-in-a-lifetime trip in the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile to get from wherever you're trying to go to to uh, that destination. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. It kind of you know sort of puts their their brand back in you know front and center. Uh, with folks and, and connects it to a, a different audience here with Lyft. Uh, this is a campaign it's already done now. It just ran uh, August 25th to 27th. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. And it, it's like a full-on experience. So like you get in there and it's like music and neon lights and they give you free shirts and hot dog masks and all kinds of things. So it's uh, it's kind of fun. And I, I think it's a it's a neat sort of surprise and delight for people who, you know, book on Lyft XL and don't know what they're going to get for their their ride what are your thoughts yeah super fun i mean um i think it would be great like especially with kids to have some type of experience like that it makes me laugh if, to think about like a you know a group of business executives like popping into you know they're just ordering a black suburban and and here shows up you know the oscar meyer wiener <laughs> uh it's awesome but yeah i mean i think that this goes just ties to like that experiential type of marketing, um, you know, doing something that has an impact, especially around everybody. Besides, it's not just the people who get to go in it, but, you know, everyone who sees it driving around as well. Um, just brand awareness, kind of more you know, organic and grassroots type of thing. So I think it's fun. I, I, I love that, that there, you know, people are out and about and moving again in the city um, to an extent. So just being able to kind of uh, pull that in and and make you know the summer end with something fun is, is a good campaign yeah and and they did tie it into their social media as well so like you can follow oscar meyer and lyft on twitter and there's a hashtag wienermobile lyft and all that sort of stuff so that's cool too that people are are sharing and posting about it and you know generating some content for them around the campaign so yeah yeah well talking about moving things maybe things a little bit more importantly than Oscar Mayer Wieners would be um, FedEx is now working with um, vaccination distribution. So they are leveraging sensors for this last mile distribution. Um, obviously there's been a, a large demand for the vaccinations and the distribution um, is very intricate as different vaccines need to be kept uh, different ways, right? Whether that's um, you know, just cooled or how quickly they have to be used and all of those things. So there's a lot of challenges around the logistics for that. So FedEx is using a variety of different technologies like AI, machine learning, um, IoT, near real time um, delivery, uh, cloud, you know, all these different things that they're referencing to make sure that the delivery of the COVID vaccines are happening effectively across the globe. 
Um, so they are using these sensor-based logistics. There's one that they had launched back in 2009 called SensorWare. So that's a supply chain, um, a supply chain platform. So this really just has like the ability to connect with different mobile networks. And then they just added in something called SensorWare ID, which was la launched in 2020. So this is um, like a compact sensor that allows the tracking of a shipment cycle of the vaccine. So it's this lightweight sensor you can connect to like Wi-Fi and um, access this across the FedEx network so that it can make sure that everything's meeting the, the correct requirements such as like the controlled environment, the, the temperatures being controlled. Um, it would have GPS kind of signals that are happening during the shipments. Um, and, um, you know, so in March of this year, they, they started tracking and monitoring the COVID-19 test samples for the testing centers to the research labs. Um, and then they're also using another platform called FedEx Surround, which is using real-time data to monitor um, and ensure the safe handling uh, and deliveries of these vaccines. So what's interesting though, is that the suite is, that's collecting all these data points is, is not only using FedEx's scanning um, and IoT, but also using Microsoft's suite of AI and ML and analytics solutions. Um, so that's interesting to me because you think of like Bill Gates, Microsoft also Bill Gates, um, lots of like vaccination uh, work. And um, so I find that very interesting that those are being used in conjunction. Um, but I think this is, you know, it's really important because you know, I think there's a lot of questions around the vaccine, how quickly, you know, it came out and people have concerns. So what we really need to do um, is make sure that those are kept safe and that we can ensure that they are, um, you know, delivered in the manner and in used in the means that they need to be. And in order to do that, we have to make sure that they are kept the way that the manufacturers have said they need to be to be effective. So I think that this is great that, you know, we're again using technology to track and follow things through, be able to keep things correct um, and, and just, you know, ensure the safety of, of this and, and get these uh, vaccines distributed for the people um, and in the areas that they are needed and wanted. So that's Yeah. And so, you know, just to add a little bit to that, like I, I would say that, um, you know, for, for me, the interesting thing about this story is that, um, you know, obviously we've been, you know, we've been covering location tech for a long time now and to see it so mainstream, uh, you know, in something that is touching, you know, virtually every citizen, you know, in the country at the moment, uh, because of the importance uh, of, of the vaccine rollout, you know, I, I think is, is amazing to see that our industry is, you know, has that kind of impact and, and, and reach, uh, you know, at this point, right? And so, the, you know, this platform, you know, in terms of how it uses the sensors and the GPS and location data to track where things are, I think is one thing. But, you know, the marriage of the location data with the other real-time sensor information, you know, like because obviously many of these vaccines are temperature sensitive and things like that, you know, you have to be kept cold and all of that. And so the monitoring of those things in real time and where they are along the route, you know, from first mile to last mile and, and all of that, I think is, is fascinating and yet critical, right? Because if something doesn't get there, you know, in time or it's damaged along the way, you need to be able to know that so that you're not wasting time or impacting people's health 
um, you know, or knowing that this batch has gone bad and it needs to be thrown out and it's not mistakenly, you know, injected into somebody, all those kinds of things like, you know, are really important. And, and it all comes down to real time tracking and real time or, or near real time data, right? Um, in terms of knowing where things are and, and, and there's the status of those items, right? Um, so I, I quite like this and, and uh, I think it's a, it's, it's great to see companies like FedEx sort of, you know, investing in technology and, and, you know, sort of making that type of information available. So very cool. Yeah. All right, final, final story is uh, an acquisition uh, in our industry. So there's a company called Appen Limited, it's A-P-P-E-N. And uh, they are a company that's focused on training data um, for organizations that build effective AI systems at scale. So they're about training AI uh, platforms. And they've signed a deal to acquire uh, a location data analytics company called Quadrant. Uh, so Quadrant has uh, you know, been around for, for a little while now. Uh, they're you know, one of the uh, key players in the POI space um, in particular. And uh, yeah, so they, they have a product called GeoLancer, uh, which they say is, uh, you know, delivers accurate, up-to-date and manually verified POI data. Um, and so, you know, these two companies are coming together for Quadrant specifically. It, it um, you know, it, they see this as an opportunity to expand the global reach of their GeoLancer platform. Uh, Appen already works with over 1 million workers in 170 countries. So you know it's sort of big reach uh, geographically, and and I think uh, is a is a is a good move for Quadrant, who's been around since 2014. Uh, Quadrant itself has over 450 million unique devices that they see every month, in you know uh, all the countries that they they cover. Um, so pretty you know decent uh, you know uh, density of of data coverage there, and and so on. And uh, as far as the terms of the deal, uh, they're acquiring 100% of the share capital of Quadrant. Uh, Appen is uh, making an upfront cash uh, payment of 25 million and an additional investment uh, of 20 million in Appen shares to be issued upon uh, certain revenue milestones um, in, the, in the coming years. So a good deal all around, I think. Um, you know, Appen's based in Sydney, Australia. And uh, like I said, has you know pretty uh, pretty big uh, global reach, um, you know, in terms of uh, you know the countries that they cover. So, any thoughts on this? You, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it's encouraging for the location space and for um, kind of the the POI data or um, perhaps even more of like the analytics side of things to see this type of an acquisition happening right now. Um, you know, I know that we've seen more. I would say like consolidation, whereas I feel like this is actually very complementary um, to grow and scale the business on both sides. So I think it's encouraging in that in that nature that we're seeing this as more of um, potentially like an expansion of services and a betterment of that rather than just consolidating things together um, in terms of like the, the services that they provide. So I, I think that this is kind of like you know, in some ways, when you think of how Foursquare and Placed and Factual, you know, kind of are all lumped in together now, to me, it that was very, uh, a lot of that was very aligned around the same services, whereas this to me seems a little bit more complementary and, and expansive. So um, that, that's my only, my only thought and feedback there. Yeah. And, and I, to, to just add to that, like, I, I think that 
it does speak to sort of, you know, the maturing of our industry overall. Like we've seen a lot of acquisitions, we've seen a lot of M&A activity in the last year, some of it driven by COVID, you know, and other things and, you know, changes to privacy rules and whatnot. But I think, you know, we're going to continue to see this type of activity. I think, uh, you know, uh, obviously, you know, we just talk, talked about the the X mode, uh, you know, acquisition uh, the other week and so on. Right. So we're going to see more and more of this. Um, but uh, I think it's it's good for the industry to to see some of these players come together and kind of make bigger, stronger, more geographically diverse, you know, um, you know, offerings in our industry. So that's it. That's our show for this week. You've been listening to episode number 532 of Location Weekly. We thank you so much for your time. Please reach out if you have story ideas, feedback for us. Uh, and of course, we'll be back next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye.